Welcome to another monthly feature episode of AV Plus, the podcast from Commercial Integrator. I'm Adam Forziati, the web editor for CI. Now, for many of you, Infocom is the trade show of choice. It's the largest AV show in North America by far, and it switches every year between East and West U.S. locations. It also seems to be the most buzzed about on this side of the Atlantic. But each year, it also seems that more and more of you North American AV folks are making your way to Amsterdam for Integrated Systems Europe, or ISE for short. It's a major investment of time and money for sure, but for many firms, it's also completely worth it to see the slew of new product announcements and to build on key international partnerships. But if you're stepping out on the ISE show floor for the first time next week, you might feel a bit intimidated. After all, it is the second largest trade show in Europe. The venue is huge, the halls feel like they go on and on, and to top it off, there's like tons of people in every corner that you look at. So on this month's feature episode of AV Plus, you'll hear from the show's director, Mike Blackman, on some tips for first-timers, or anyone who's been to the show before but wants to make a more efficient go of it this year. Also, we'll hear a response to a comment that was just posted on our articles about sexism and a lack of diversity in the industry. And as we do every month, we'll hear from CI editors Tom LeBlanc and Craig McCormick in our CI News Roundup and Editor's Desk. But first, a little housekeeping. You can learn more about AV Plus online at commercialintegrator.com slash podcast and on Twitter by searching the hashtag AVPlusPod. That's A-V-P-L-U-S-Pod on Twitter. We'd also appreciate it a lot if you could take a moment to hit subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It does help us reach more AV pros trying to find quality podcasts. By the way, if you're going to be at Integrated Systems Europe this year, I'd love to meet up with you. Shoot me an email. The address is adam.forziati, that's F-O-R-Z-I-A-T-I, at emeraldexpo.com. And now, okay, back to the show. First, it's the monthly news roundup with editors Tom LeBlanc and Craig McCormick. And then Craig tells us about the next AV company he's profiled during another editor's desk. Hey guys, uh, we don't have a lot of time to do what we need to do today because we're sort of in the middle of uh, prepping for ISE next week. Uh, Tom, what can readers you know, expect from a CI during uh, next week's trade show? We know there are going to be a lot of significant product announcements. It's become a trade show where you know it's an opportunity for manufacturers to unveil products. I mean, we know people are going to be checking out the Crestron booth, looking for those side-by-side comparisons to see how you know, the next generation D- DM NVX line kind of holds up and uh, a lot going on UCC, LED, uh, a lot of audio coverage. Uh, just check commercialintegrator.com and check any article about ISE to find more articles about ISE. This is a fun time of year for us. And especially for me because I'll be going. <laughs> but speaking of like more general kind of news about the industry and what's happened this month. Uh, A couple of companies that are exhibiting in pretty prominent booths at the show announced some acquisitions recently. Craig, can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, sure. So so Biamp is is one company that that happened toward the end of 2018. Um, They they made their first major acquisition in in AV uh, about a year after uh, they, they were under new management. Um, and basically a year to the day after you know after the management turnover, which which I think is is an amazing turnaround, and and actually was predicted by the the CEO when he uh, when he took over. He said you know we'll we'll make a move within about a year, and it was I think a year and nineteen days that they made their first their first deal at Lona. 
uh, was was sold within the, the last week. Um, they, they were officially turned over to a company called Panduit, um, and and that was a move that that allowed Atlona to have a little bit more um, of a global reach. Um, that it was a, a company that that was started a couple years, uh, fifteen years ago, by a couple of brothers, and they basically said that they kind of maxed out the the reach that they had and their their ability to to reach new customers. So. So this allows them to have a little bit more of a presence, um, you know, around the world and you know outside the regions that they were re- represented in. That they will still maintain the the Atlona brand. So you'll you'll see an Atlona booth at at ISE. Is there any sort of precedent, Craig, for announcing of acquisitions at trade shows? I have seen a lot of that more more at Infocom. You, you kind of see a, a flurry of that sort of stuff, like uh, within you know the the days right right around the show, and a lot of them you know kind of time it, and they have press conferences at the show and things like that. That actually happened with uh, Diversified last year at, at Infocom. Um, I, obviously, you know they have a captive audience because you know everybody who covers the industry is is there, and everybody who's part of the industry is there. So. So I, I think it's it's kind of interesting when when they do that, but I, but I don't think that companies necessarily try to try to target that for you know for for their announcements necessarily. I think it's more about you know announcing new products and things like that. And the flip side of that is when they do want to talk about new products, it's difficult because all anybody wants to ask them about is the acquisition. So right. it's a catch twenty two. So okay, so speaking of all these like industry ins and outs, you know, I was just thinking that. I'm the one who puts together this this monthly article that we do called People and Places. It's sort of all a list of you know, companies, uh, manufacturers, and, and integrators announcing you know hires and other sort of similar regional geographical moving announcements. And I'm the one who puts that together. And I was noticing this month that you know, there's a lot of familiar faces that I've seen in, in either prior People and Places articles or just from getting to know the industry a bit better since I started a couple of years ago. Uh, and I just was like wondering, you know, you, you both have covered the industry longer than I have. Um, do you think it's like harder for people who haven't made as much of a name for themselves in this space uh, to compete for jobs with like these industry stalwarts, if you will, uh, people who are you know, really well known in the industry that sort of switch between companies left and right? I mean, I sure hope not, because one of the challenges in this industry right now is that it is a little bit too, uh, what's the word, ancestral? <laughs> I was going to say samey, samey, but I think that's a little bit more colorful, yeah. Well, I think I think one of the challenges, you know, with young people coming up in the industry is that there are these, you know, well-known names and well, even if they're not well-known names, well-established figures in their organization that it's hard to move up when there's folks ahead of you on the ladder who are just going to kind of stay there. And uh, I don't think it's a, a good thing for the industry because, you know, the industry is evolving. You know, there are a lot of uh, non-AV centric points of view that need to be taken into consideration and a lot of times the folks that have that skill set um, are the ones that we don't know yet and we hope to get to know them and that probably means they need to climb up the ladder. Yeah but also in, in other cases though there's there's cases where you know people are going from maybe a smaller company to a little bigger company and maybe they maxed out at the smaller company and they're looking for an opportunity to grow in, in a new company. So that, that could be part of it as well. I, I don't I don't know specifically, you know, have have an example of that and, and you know, this month's round of transactions, but 
you know, it, it could be an opportunity for those those people to you know kind of grow their career. Which once they leave those positions, that leaves an opening for somebody else to to step into. Okay, Greg, you just wrote a really interesting article, and there was a little uh, mishap that happened in it. Um, so before we tell our listeners how cool of an article it is, how great of a deep dive it is on SVT, the integrator, let's just get the elephant in the room, like, cut down really quick. Sure. Well, I unintentionally killed a guy. <laughs> um, so um, Josh Shanahan, who is the CEO of a third generation company, uh, SVT, out in Michigan. Um, he gave me a list of some of the people in the industry who he considers his mentors, inspirations, that sort of thing. I listed one of them as the late Ron Pusey. Ron Pusey is very much alive <laughs> and a very active member of NSCA. Um, and I have certainly apologized to, to Ron. Uh, anybody who picks up the print edition will see the uh, the error. The and hopefully that won't be the uh, the main takeaway that people have from the article. Now you see what listeners aren't experiencing right now is how red Craig's face is turning. Uh, so you can tell that he's actually ashamed of this mistake. <laughs> yeah, it was not not my finest hour by by any means, but certainly not the first mistake and not the last mistake that we'll make. So, well, journalistic credibility aside, Craig, uh, it was a great article. Can you tell us a little bit more about SVT and why you decided to uh, to, to chronicle them this for this month's uh, issue? Sure. Like, like I mentioned, uh, Josh Shanahan is the CEO, and it's a third generation family run business started by his grandfather. Uh, I believe it's about 65 years ago. Josh is also the uh, president of NSCA. The the business and leadership conference is coming up uh, at the end of February, which is kind of why we timed it for our our February issue. From everything I can tell, you know, anybody who's there, whether they are family or not, are treated like family, and and I think that's part of you know why it's become you know a, a, a growing business. Uh, they they did me uh, recently make an acquisition and. Josh told me and has said to others that they plan to make a total of five acquisitions in the next five years. So they're, they're certainly growing outside the family and, you know, planning to be a, a major player in and around the Midwest. So we'll, we'll leave some of the mystery for the article. It is online now at commercialintegrator.com and it's coming up in uh, this February edition of the magazine. But uh, really quick, Craig, could you summarize, you know, what got SVT formerly, you know, way back when a small, like, uber family-focused company into a company that is planning right now to make one acquisition every year for the next five years. Yeah, I think they just realized that they, you know, kind of maxed out what, what their capabilities were at the size that they were at, and they were looking to, you know, become a little more relevant in certain markets. Um, their their name is technically Sport View Technologies, so that they primarily were uh, in the, the casino and gaming and, and um, sports stadium market for quite a while, but they've expanded well beyond that at, at this point. Uh, one word comes to mind, stupid. Those straightforward words are from Charmaine Torella, Varex's Global Services Manager and Chairperson of the Avixa Diversity Council. And if you can't already tell, she's pretty tired of hearing that there's no such thing as a diversity problem in the AV industry. And in case you're not too sold on that idea, just consider this. 
we published a story written by a black woman CEO of an AV company. In her piece, she expressed frustration with the fact that when she and her husband go out on trade show floors and like like situations, she often feels ignored and dismissed. Even when she's the one asking the right questions to the right people, it seems like most of the discussions she attempts to have are redirected back to her husband. Look, the AV industry doesn't have a lot of women CEOs, and that's just a fact. We're not trying to say that white male CEOs should feel guilty, but if they do care about the future of the industry, it only makes sense to care about the fact that it needs to diversify to bring in more talent. So anyway, we receive a comment on a related article from someone claiming that, and I quote, how troubling it is to see such a synthetic topic like diversity thrust upon the AV industry. So that commenter went on to say that no one is entitled to respect and that diversity and affirmative action, quote, contribute to lowering the tide and ensuring that all leaky vessels stay far enough above the waterline to survive. So you can read all 464 words of this comment online on our article about Avixa Diversity Council, but another comment was left on the column from that ignored CEO with her husband, and that comment said that nothing she described sounded like disrespect. So we wanted to give Charmaine a chance to respond to this message since she is currently trying to tackle the industry's diversity problem. And here is what she said. When I read the comments, I said, that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard uh, in my life. If you're saying that a CEO, and I saw the article and I read the comments, if you're saying that a CEO of a company who's a minority shouldn't be given any kind of access or respect because she didn't work hard for it or he or she. It's a stupid comment because you're basically saying that it was given to her. To be a CEO, to be an owner of something is not something it's given, you have to work for. That's just a stupid comment, a blissfully ignorant comment. And the person who wrote that should really think twice about comments like that before they say it. You can have the diversity there. But the stupid comments stop when people become blissfully knowledgeable of diversity. That's what it comes down to. That's why I say it's stupid, because it's it's me. It's as if Kevin and I, you know, we both work in the AV industry and we would approach a project uh, and say, oh, yeah, it's this without having the scope, knowing the equipment. It's just flat out making that comment just on the appearance or the state of the space. That's not what we do in AV. If you did that in your nine to five, your boss or manager might consider you blissfully stupid and not being diligent in investigating the scope of the room and figuring out, you know, some applications that may work. And that's what it comes down to diversity. That's the best analogy I can make. If you approach someone who's of a diverse background before you look at it and decide, oh, no, not worth your time, like some AV integrators are known to do when it comes to projects that they're looking to work on, you have to investigate. Our job is to be knowledgeable about the products, the equipment, even the labor that we work with. There should be no reason why you shouldn't be more knowledgeable about the individual that you're working with as well. If this is your first year heading to ISC, take it from me. You have a lot to do before you even get on the plane. Last year was my first time, and I soon discovered how much it pays to have a little experience with the Rye Exhibition Center under your belt. And even if you have been there before, you probably want to improve your time there this year, if at all possible. So let's hear from one of the people with the most experience there, Mike Blackman, the show director. 
Well, the first thing I say to everybody is do your research. We have a very extensive, extensive website. We have a list of all the exhibitors. We break it down into sectors. So you know, it's impossible for you to get around the whole show in the four days. Um, so if you're going to be there for the whole day, four days, which I recommend, um, you're not going to get everywhere unless you really run around and put your trainers on. But um, what I suggest is make your priorities. Say, what do I really want to see? Look at the list and the floor plans we have to actually show you where you should go and focus on the key things first that you, you know, really must haves. And then when you've got time, look at the cool stuff as well. If you're a group of people, don't go around together, split up. They're going to cover more ground in a shorter space of time. So, you know, if you're, if you're going as a company with uh, two, three, four or 10 people, split up and, you know, each of you, you know, into groups and, um, you know, cover different sectors get back together at the end of the day and discuss what you've seen and what's worth going back to as a group uh, and really worth uh, discussing as a and complete. And you'll cover much, much more uh, in that short space of time. We have other tools. We have um, an app, very good to actually not only get uh, exhibitor information uh, while you're going around, it's available on all mobile platforms, but also with a mini floor plan, we give you a fold-out floor plan as well. You can collect this stuff at the door when you come in. It's free of charge. Uh, so we'll give you a mini floor plan, which you can fold out, put in your pocket. We have a show guide, everything listed in there. So you can see who you want to see. You need the floor plan. The Rye is not an easy building. They built it over a period of time. Uh, so it's been built piecemeal. It's not like the U.S. Uh, exhibition facilities, which generally tends to be you know, one hall next to the other. Um, like your streets <laughs> in Europe, we don't do that. We don't do grids, but, um, uh, so, and the, the facility actually is almost built in a circle. So it's easy to get lost, uh, if you don't have a plan. So take a plan with you, put some structure in how you want to visit. Yeah. Uh, my advice also is that if you don't have so many days to visit and you want to get around faster, come towards the end of the week. Day one and two are really busy. Day three, still very busy, and it quietens off, but still, um, you know, uh, our last day attendance is bigger than quite a lot of other exhibitions in total. Um, but you'll get more, you'll get around faster, you'll get more attention from the exhibitors who are there as well because they're not being, trying to deal with too many people in one go. So you might get much more value out of uh, uh, coming on those days as well. So definitely some valuable information there, both for first-timers to ISE and return visitors. Thanks again for tuning into AV+. I'll be dropping a special episode from the show next week, so keep checking your feeds out for that. And you can always learn more about ISE or anything else in the pro-AV space at commercialintegrator.com.